Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on episode 121 of our podcast. Today, we're going to be recapping the 2021 Mexican Grand Prix. I'm your host, of course, Chris Cato, and I'm so happy to be joined by the full Backmarkers F1 Show team today. It's been a while since all three of us have uh, gotten together for a podcast, so I'm really looking forward to this episode, not just uh, the company of these uh, two fellow gentlemen, but also uh, a great race and a big race, of course, in the impact of the championship as well. So we're going to get right into it. Of course, just a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored by our longtime sponsor, thegpbox.com. They are the world's leading motorsport marketplace website. They've got some really awesome F1 merchandise, memorabilia, some even used F1 car parts for the motorhead fan in your life. So if you're looking to get some gifts or even just one for yourself, head to thegpbox.com and also check the description in the video down below and also in the description of the podcast player for some exclusive discounts from the GP Box for Backmarkers F1 Show subscribers. So please check that out if you want to uh, get a little bit to uh, save some money on some F1 gifts. All right, so let's bring in my two fellow backmarkers, Tyler and Shaker. Let's start off with Shaker. It's been a while since we've seen him, a good couple of months. It's good to see you, Shaker. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, man, I've been good. Uh, it's good to be back, first of all, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's been forever. I've been a little bit busy with work, but, you know, that's finally calming down a bit. So, you know, I'm happy to be back for this last, like, what, three races of the season? Four races, I guess, including this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah four more to go. It's going to be a really quick end, end to the season. And, yeah, you've been all over the province and in, and in Quebec as well, doing some uh, cool movie work stuff. So, yeah, it's great to have you back uh, on the podcast as well to get your thoughts on the championship. And, of course, returning as well, Tyler McDonald, fresh from a little vacation, taking in some of the U.S. sun, but he's back for episode 121. Good evening to you, Tyler. Nice to see you, Shaker and Chris. Uh, yeah, as you can see, I got my Arizona Coyotes hat on here, but uh, I wish I was at the Grand Prix in the U.S. Uh, when I was in vac- on vacation because it was at the exact same time as the Grand Prix. But, uh, no, I was in Arizona golfing and enjoying some uh, NFL games as well. So that was a great time down there, nice and hot, and now I've returned to the cold here in Canada. So that's uh, the unfortunate part, I guess. Yeah, the cold and the darkness, of course. We just had the time shift as well, so it's pretty much getting dark around 4.30, 5 o'clock. So it's not great, but I must say I have been enjoying the friendly time zone starts to these last couple of races Mm. in the U.S. and Mexico, and then this week in Brazil as well. Being able to watch all the practice sessions and then race starting at like 2 o'clock is pretty sweet. So yeah, I've definitely enjoyed the America's swing of F1 races, but let's dive right into the 2021 Mexican Grand Prix. And of course, uh, we didn't have a podcast after the U.S. Grand Prix, but that was an excellent race as well with the battle of Max Verstappen versus Lewis Hamilton. And it continued on into this weekend in Mexico, but it was slightly different because we all know how strong Red Bull is usually at this track. Now Max has three wins. Mexico City, I guess, if we're going to rename it to that. (laughs) He is the king of Mexico at the moment, but... It was really all at the start where that he won the race. It's not often that a driver wins the race on the first corner. Usually he loses it, a.k.a. Valtteri Bottas, but we'll get to that later. But it's rare that when a driver wins it on the first corner, but as effective as that toe was, I mean, Verstappen just no nonsense, really, really strong on the brakes, confident around the outside of both two Mercedes, and then he just never looked back after that. It was almost as if... He planned starting to P3 uh, in qualifying after after what happened. But, um, yeah, it was just a clinical race from Verstappen. Tyler, what did you think of the race start and just overall Max's performance? Well, I think he did say he'd rather start P3 than P2. Uh, 
at this Grand Prix, which I mean, you could see why. Um, and during that braking zone, he he broke at least ten meters more, you know, further than uh, Valtteri or Lewis. It was really impressive to see him kind of Daniel Ricciardo it on the brakes uh, and super on the outside. And like you said, that won him the race. I mean, um, it's really impressed to see him have the confidence on cold brakes sitting on the grid for as long as, as they did um, to just hammer it on the brakes and hope to not lock up and super on the outside and take the lead and win the race just off of turn one. So I thought his race was dominant, maybe one of the most dominant um, and controlling Max Verstappen wins we've seen in his career. Um, I won't call it the best win, but I'll call it the most dominant. And I think that's a, 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 he put definitely put a stamp on the championship um, to put it, it more toward his hands with four races remaining in the season. Yeah, I, I would agree. I was going to make the same comment as you, Tyler. That I'm pretty sure you'd he would rather he said he'd rather start in third. And yeah, you just got the great pull right off the start uh, to take the overtake, and you know, you know, you said it perfectly. Took the Daniel Ricciardo of late breaking <laughs> right into it. Um, yeah, and it was very unfortunate what happened to uh, Valtteri Bottas as mm. well. I mean, with the with uh, Sergio Perez. Well, I guess it was. Um, uh, it was Daniel Ricciardo's fault. Daniel Ricciardo in the end. Yeah, sorry. He yes. did the Daniel Ricciardo his breaks. <laughs> Well, let's actually talk about that just before we touch on the championship standings as of now. Of course, the big thing was with two Mercedes starting on the front row, Valtteri Bottas just kind of forgot to cover off Max Verstappen. And <laughs> I'm sure Verstappen was thinking in the cockpit of the car, like, oh, here we go. Wide open lane. I'll take that. Thank you very much. And it was interesting. Hamilton obviously made the post-race comments. It was, I'm paraphrasing, it was something along the lines of, you know, Valtteri didn't put much of a fight or he didn't cover it off and stuff like that. And I know the media was and people on social media were kind of blowing that comment up for more than it needed to be. And Hamilton had to issue a statement or an apology on social media today, which is just, you know, nonsense. It was I didn't have a problem with what Hamilton said. It was the truth, really. I mean, Bottas just didn't cover off for Stappen, who was directly behind him. And he was kind of being careful of Hamilton, almost like he was trying to let him go by him in a way, into turn one, but they both forgot about Verstappen because that was the racing line. And like you said, Tyler, he was just so much more confident on the brakes, but especially with being on the racing line, on the clean side of the grid, it, they just made it easy for him. Yeah, I was really surprised when Valtteri decided to stay in the middle and not hit the outside. I was like, you know, I was confused. <laughs> Usually the middle never works out for someone. Um, and you know, I thought he was just going to swoop over and cover Max last minute so that Max would have to lift off the throttle and really then get overtaken by everyone. That's what I was expecting, but he just never went. And uh, it put Valtteri, obviously, put himself in a, a bad situation because he was sandwiched and then got hit in the rear from Daniel Ricciardo. And taking out of the race, he didn't have anything left uh, going for him other than stealing a point at the end from Max Verstappen. Uh, for the fastest lap of the race, which we can get to later because there's a whole kind of funny thing that happened there as well. Um, but very confusing from Valtteri. I thought it was going to be his weekend. Uh, he had some great pace in qualifying, and I thought, you know what, Valtteri's going to get another win here, seal it off. And um, But no, it just it didn't work out for Valtteri, unfortunately. And the Red Bulls were just so good, uh, which is really weird because we were wondering where the pace was in qualifying. But clearly, whatever they did, obviously they had that rear wing issue. I don't know what happened there, but whatever, it worked in the race because uh, they were flying out there the whole time. 
Yeah, uh, it was a weird one for Valtteri. I wonder if it, uh, if it was uh, he was a little bit nervous of doing the late braking because they were sitting there for so long compared to every other car. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, like you said, weird that he didn't fend it off. Might have been a team strategy, like you said, that Lew uh, they were going to let Lewis through um, and he just waited a little bit too long to cover it off. But yeah, it was a weird one overall from the first turn. Yeah, I, I kind of, honestly, I had to, a, a smile after turn one just because I was just kind of laughing to myself at classic Max, right? Opening lap, very first corner, like you said, guys, sitting on the grid for so long, cold brakes, cold tires, and he just sends it, you know, sends it around the outside. And even with four races to go in a championship lead, it doesn't seem like he's going to change his style and he's just still going to go for it even if he has a lead to protect. So, yeah, I guess that, that was just kind of, the, the typical Verstappen move and yeah it, it won in the race so a, a very very good move there and before we get on to Bottas and, and his unfortunate race it means that he did extend the championship lead to 19 points as we start this triple header of course we got Interlagos coming up this weekend and then the debut at the Lozelle International Circuit in Qatar which will be really interesting but this is a really really key race for them and it wasn't just so much that he was so dominant to win that race I mean like you said, Tyler, if it wasn't for the whole fastest lap shenanigans, he probably would have been around 20 seconds ahead of Hamilton at the end. But at this point in the season, to be putting the stamp on the championship, like Shaker said in the beginning, and then extending his lead as well, like he said, post-race, it's looking good. Long way to go. We still got 107 points to dish out. But you kind of just felt that for Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes, it was kind of like a, a kind of a blow, you know, a punch in the gut because they weren't able to do it at the United States Grand Prix where it's a Mercedes track. I know they knew that they were going to struggle here, but still to be that far off, I think was quite disappointing because in the end, it was Red Bull versus Mercedes, but it was Sergio Perez versus Lewis Hamilton. Max Verstappen was not even in the question. Yeah, I think they have to be uh, concerned going into these next few races. Now they do usually do well at Brazil, but I mean, Max has, has shown that he's very strong in Brazil as well. So I think that's going to be an interesting race. It, it can go either way, in my opinion. And then who knows for the last three tracks, we haven't been to two of them. And the third one uh, has a new layout this season. So it's and, going to be. And sorry, I was just going to butt in. And the second last one isn't even built yet. <laughs> that's right. The second last one isn't even built yet. You're right. I can't believe how far behind they are on that circuit. Now we, when we were talking to Tim Haraney and he said he saw pictures and, and saw how far behind they were. I didn't realize how far behind they actually are because they were with two or three weeks away. And I don't even think turn one's built yet. And if it is, it's just the asphalt's down. Um, so that's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I, I have a feeling there's not going to be a lot of grip on the uh, on the track. <laughs> well, somebody posted on Twitter, they're like, uh, FIA race director's notes, drivers are instructed to stay off the curves because the paint is still wet. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, I want, yeah, I wonder if we're going to see track troubles on uh, at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix for. Well, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I couldn't imagine how far behind they were when Tim saw the photos compared to when we saw the photos. Um, but like, like I said, who knows what's going to happen for those three races after Brazil? So it it's tough for for Mercedes. They've dug, you know, Lewis has dug himself a little bit of a hole here. Um, with 19 points down and four races left, it's going to take either a Max Verstappen retirement to draw him back in, which could happen. You never know. It 100% could happen. Or he's going to have to be very consistent in scoring either first or second place finishes in every single race and hope that Max 
you know, stays off the podium for one or two of them. Yeah, it's it's going to be difficult because I, I think um, we haven't seen Sergio Perez in, uh, in Brazil win that Red Bull as well. And I think he's going to be a serious candidate to fighting both Lewis Hamilton and Botas and Max uh, winning this championship or, you know, getting, you know, getting close to winning this championship in the end. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be serious competition in this in this next race, and because uh, Perez had a great drive overall as well, he had a good recovery from that first uh, from the first turn. Um, came really really close in the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be really tight in the next race as well with Sergio Perez and Max both uh, both fighting, and I, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if it uh, does ends up being a. Uh, Max winning the championship, and then Mercedes still winning the uh, the constructors, right? So uh, I can go either way. Yeah, talk about I a wonder- big. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Tyler. No, I was just I wonder how awkward that celebration would be. Like, how <laughs> if you're Lewis Hamilton, do you celebrate that if you lose the drivers, but with the constructors? Like, how? how like, how do you? It'd be an awkward one. And when is the last time we had a different constructors champion from the driver? Like. You know what oh, I'm trying man. to understand. I think it was it was either 07 or 08. I think it was actually 08 when Ferrari won the constructors with uh, Felipe, and then Hamilton won the drivers at the end, right? Right. I think it had to be. It, Maybe we're wrong. It's comment. A, it's been a while. Yeah. No, you're right. It it is going to be awkward because right, like Mercedes, they want the constructors title, right? I mean, that's kind of more important to them. But obviously. For Hamilton, he wants that record-breaking eighth. I mean, we talk about history, right? But Hamilton still has a lot of history on the line to try and get that eighth uh, World Drivers' Championship versus Verstappen getting the first. But it wasn't a bad drive from Lewis Hamilton. I mean, let's not make any mistakes about it. I mean, I think that he didn't have the pace to challenge Verstappen, but that second Red Bull was very, very quick. And I think that Sergio Perez was getting a lot of criticism about the fact that he wasn't able to overtake Hamilton. It should have been a Red Bull 1-2, but let's not forget, it is Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy very, very difficult to pass. As good as a tire manager as Sergio Perez is, I think Lewis Hamilton is equally as good. And you saw when they went on board in that battle just how good Lewis Hamilton was out of the acceleration zones. And he just had enough tire performance to keep Perez behind. And I think he navigated the traffic pretty well, sometimes strategically, you know, not getting too close and, and stick, sticking within DRS range. But it was hard for Perez because of how powerful that Mercedes engine is in that straight line. I mean, Bottas couldn't even get by Ricardo for like 15, 20 laps. And that was two Mercedes power units there. So I think that he had a decent drive to get to P2. Kind of damage limitation, almost the best result that they could have got. Because if Red Bull would have finished 1-2, that's even more points that Hamilton would have lost. And then you're really, really digging yourself a hole, like you said, Tyler. So... Um, I, I still think it was a, it was a solid race from him, but uh, yeah, Brazil it's getting towards a must win scenario now for for Hamilton. Yeah, he has to win. I think two of the last four races for him to have a shot, not not to to have a good shot, but just to have a shot at the championship, which is a lot to ask. And now this is Lewis Hamilton, arguably the greatest F one driver uh, to ever race in the entire know history of f1 it's up for debate and you know, i think it's you know, it's a valid up for debate obviously um so if anyone can do it it's him the, the question is is it possible with with all these unknown tracks coming up we don't know what's going to happen uh, so i think it's gonna be a really interesting end to the season with four races left and 
and not knowing what's going to happen in three of them. Uh, yeah, I agree. And it's going to be really interesting to see if it does come down to the last race of the season, what happens mm. for this championship. Cause you know, it's, it's been a long time since that's happened. <laughs> yeah. Been a good... we, I was wondering, do we see like, is it going to be if Max is up by 23 points on Lewis, let's say, and you know, does Lewis give the old little punter Rooney into turn one and there goes Max and Lewis tries to win for the championship. I mean, a little Michael Schumacher-esque. Can we see something like that? It would be very fitting. Uh, not from Hamilton. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't do that. Yeah, no. he, do, he doesn't strike me as that guy. Like it's he's strategic in wheel-to-wheel combat to maybe get you know a certain amount of contact to go his way. But yeah, no, he definitely wouldn't go uh, to those lengths. I mean, the seven world titles show that already. But yeah, it could very well come down to Abu Dhabi. But that's a good point you bring up, Tyler. And a lot of people aren't talking about this that the end of the season is very, very interesting because effectively we do end on three new circuits. I mean, two that are completely new to Formula One, never raced at before in Qatar and in Saudi Arabia, and then Abu Dhabi is different as well. So it's a big question mark because you're talking about different track surfaces, obviously different F1 cars like Lozale, for example, is more of a MotoGP track, difficult to overtake. So this is big, big question mark. So it's hard to tell like on paper it's going to favor Red Bull or it's going to favor Mercedes. So very, very interesting. That's why I think that these next, this next race, obviously in Brazil as well, is important for Red Bull because if they have another similar result as they did in the U.S. and Mexico, they'll give themselves almost a DNF worth of a point gap to Lewis Hamilton, which going into these three unknown races, I think will be pretty valuable. So yeah, it should be interesting for Brazil. But now let's move on to the hometown hero, which was Sergio Checo Perez, of course, and almost as good were the Mexican fans as the Dutch fans, mm-hmm. as we saw at Zanvoort. It was pretty amazing to see the atmosphere, obviously always a great atmosphere at the Mexico City Grand Prix, but especially this year when Sergio Perez had a winning car and the podium really seemed like it was never in doubt when the, when the sessions got started on Friday. And of course, after what happened on lap one, it was almost guaranteed, almost had the second place, I think. That place would have gone even crazier had uh, had he passed Lewis Hamilton. But it was almost like he won the race anyway, just uh, in Park Ferme afterwards in the celebrations, which was really great. I think that he was deserving of, of driver of the day. I know, again, a lot of people were criticizing him, saying, you know, he should have passed Hamilton. But I think we have to remind people at this time last year, he didn't even have a drive in Formula One. He was going to be sitting on his couch in 2021 until Red Bull came calling on his cell phone. So... This was a terrific result for him. His dad was so happy, you know, just seeing the support from his family was awesome. So, yeah, well done to him. I think a very deserving driver of the day. I was really, like, pushing for Sergio. I wanted him to, to do well in this race. And just because he's he's a very likable race car driver. And, um, you know, first Mexican on the podium in on Mexican soil is fantastic and you saw how much it meant to him the team the fans i mean they were raising him in the air like he just won the championship like you said chris like it didn't look like a p3 um but it was awesome to see i loved the enthusiasm and the celebration i thought it was really well deserved and great kudos to the mexican fans they were awesome during the whole race i mean one of my my favorite pictures was um you know turn going into the stadium section for the first time on lap one and there's smokes um smoke grenades going with the green and the three cars racing in i thought it looked really cool um as a picturesque kind of uh point to this mexican grand prix to see all the support behind sergio perez and of course they wanted him to get p2 but 
uh, tough battle to overtake Lewis and, um, you know, it, it, it's a tough track to overtake on as well. It's not the most ideal overtaking track. You have really two three spots that you can overtake and that's about it. So tough for him to do that. But in the end, I think he should be happy and the Mexican fans should be very happy with a P3. Yeah, I mean, he went toe to toe with uh, or wheel to wheel with uh, Lewis Hamilton in the end, and that's hard to do. I mean, we've seen Max to do it a few times in the end, and you know, it's hard to get the uh, the overtake in the very last lap, and a lot of pressure on you. And you know, you see all the Mexican fans getting up on their feet, you know, chanting your name. So it's 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 a difficult situation to be in. So I mean, great to see the celebrations overall. And it was a big weekend for Perez, too, just being able to challenge Hamilton. It's outside of Verstappen, like you said, guys. We haven't, I don't know, I can't think of the last driver we've seen being able to push Lewis like that. Maybe, you know, we think back to like a Leclerc or Sebastian Vettel a few years ago when Ferrari was still decently competitive. So it, it was a good race for him. And yeah, unfortunate that he couldn't get P2, but he was still, he did what he needed to do for Red Bull, which was uh, secure more points. And that was big for the Constructors' Championship because now they're only within one point of Mercedes going into the next race. So, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I, I was so happy for him. One of the more likable drivers on the grid uh, has a great story of how he started motor racing and getting into Formula One. And just like I mentioned, the, his drama from last year. So to be here now, it was big for the Mexican fans as well because the Mexican Grand Prix has kind of been on the fringes of being exiting the calendar because of financial troubles and things like that. But this was a really good sign for them that hopefully they'll be able to sign a long-term deal because it really is a great race. And we even saw at the Circuit of the Americas just the support that Perez was getting from the Mexican faithful was really, really cool. So yeah, I thought he had a very, very good race. And unfortunately, on the other side of things for Mercedes, it didn't go well for their number two driver, Valtteri Bottas, who let's just say, guys, off the top, his qualifying lap was arguably the best of his career. I mean, I know Red Bull had some issues there in Q3. They kind of just, uh, you know, wasn't the perfect track conditions. They lost some tire temperature and just couldn't get the grip. But nonetheless, no excuses on Red Bull's part. It was just a phenomenal lap from Bottas. And I thought like, wow, this is really impressive. Not only did he out-qualify Max Verstappen by a couple of tenths, also his teammate as well. You know, people forget often just how good Valtteri is over one lap. So I thought that was really, really great. And then it just kind of sums up his Mercedes career, right? Just that bad luck into turn one. Didn't really do very much wrong, but Daniel Ricciardo locked up, took him out. And that was all she wrote for Valtteri. Yeah, I mean, like I like I said earlier, his qualifying was, was unbelievable. He showed an amazing pace. And I thought, okay, this is it for Valtteri. He's going to have a great race and he'll possibly come out with a victory. Um, but, you know... The only mistake he really made was, I guess we could say not covering for stopping, but breaking a little too early, being too conservative, which um, doesn't happen too much. I, I was surprised that he was a little, you know, that overly conservative when he broke. Um, and it wasn't to let Lewis by, I, I'm not sure, but it certainly didn't end up in his favor because uh, Daniel Ricardo locked up his right front and went sliding right into the back of Altieri. I'm honestly surprised Daniel didn't get a penalty or anything like that. Um, That's going to be my next question. <laughs> very surprised that there wasn't a penalty there. Um, and just unfortunate for Valtteri. And then he, like I said, it's a hard track to pass that. He didn't make any progress at all uh, throughout the race. So uh, disappointing, I'd say, uh, race for Valtteri just to the fact that he didn't gain any ground back on any anyone in the field, really. So a uh, tough one for him. And Hopefully he can have a strong end to his Mercedes career because, you know, he, he deserves a little bit more than what he's had, unfortunately. And, 
uh, you know, some bad luck his way. And it's just been, it's unfortunate. I wish Valtteri had a little bit more success at, at Mercedes. I'd like to come to see him go out with at least one more win in these last four races. Yeah, it was uh, very unfortunate. Um, I I want to say I think the fact that Daniel Ricciardo didn't get a penalty probably had to help with the fact that with uh, Sergio thought it was him and <laughs> operators couldn't figure out who it yeah. was for like a solid two minutes either until they like finally saw the replay and they're like, oh, it's Daniel. <laughs> so I think just for the fact that there was utter confusion by what happened, they just deemed it a racing incident because it was it. it I mean, it, in the in, in all reality, he did you know break early, and Daniel Daniel didn't expect it, so you know didn't went into the, his breaking late as well. Um, very unfortunate for Valtteri because you you know we we've seen him we've seen what he does in those first uh, in those first uh, uh, turns as well, and he's usually good at pretty good at covering it off as well. And it was just a weird scenario to be put in, uh, maybe just not expecting Max to be up there so quick. Uh, um, so yeah. It was surprising the penalty wasn't given to Ricardo, just seeing how the stewards have been dealing with these types of incidents all of 2021. Even though it is lap one, they've been dishing out penalties because of, you know, causing accidents and stuff like that. So it was a little surprising, I must say. But um, maybe it was McLaren revenge for uh, the Hungarian Grand Prix when when Bottas kind of uh, bowling balled Norris out of the race into the Red Bull. And so it kind of all worked itself out in a way, uh, if we go there. But no, just an innocent uh, lap one mistake. But yeah, it really sucked for, for Bottas. And then at the end of the race, which was really interesting, that Verstappen still had plenty of pace in those worn tires to set the fastest lap of the race and was looking on for 26 points. And then Mercedes bring in Valtteri Bottas. And then you had this, we've never seen this before since the fastest lap point system came into play, but you actually had Verstappen in the race lead slow down to block Valtteri's attempt to steal the fastest lap. And I'll tell you what, it worked because he had to make another pit stop in order to get track position in order to get in a clean lap because there's even video of in the final sector, like you can tell just how much Verstappen actually slows down. He even locks up into the stadium section and Valtteri had to come in to do an extra stop just to try and get (laughs) fastest lap. It was very clumsy looking because he did a good job of making it look like he didn't do it on purpose. Uh, but obviously he did. Um, and it was funny because as he was crossing the line, his engineer came on the radio and was like, okay, let's pick up the pace now. <laughs> like, let's, let's get a move on. Um, and I thought it was pretty entertaining. But it was it's it was smart by, by Max because he had such a big gap that he could kind of slow down and try and block Valtteri. But... Uh, Mercedes were not having any of it and of course brought Valtteri back in to get that track position like you said Chris so um, good Valiant effort is strategic from from Max and I like the shenanigans that he played there it almost reminded me of uh, when Hamilton was backing up Rosberg uh, into Vettel for the championship in Abu Dhabi (laughs) (laughs) well it's kind of nice to see that too because you know since this championship point came into effect, we didn't haven't really seen like the effect of it until this. You know, it might really come down to that final point um, in the last race that you know they're really going to be desperate for the fastest la- uh, fastest lap times throughout the, uh, throughout the year. So, oh, that's a good point. Could you imagine that? Like, it's let's say Max is up by one point on Lewis. Did do you do? You- um, pit Valtteri to get the fastest lap off of Max's hands. Like that's gonna be interesting, actually, at the end of the season. Yeah, it's, it's, you're right. 
Well, and another part of that too is would in that like let's say they bring in Valtteri and for whatever reason they can't get Perez to do the same, would Red Bull go call Alpha Tauri and bring in Sonoda or Gasly to try and get it? Maybe, yeah. Who knows? It, it's a possibility. And in that case, do you, I would say, do you bring the Williams in? But that won't really matter. <laughs> uh, do you bring like uh, a Lance Stroll in? Maybe who's been rumored at that Mercedes seat? That'd be a little bit of a uh, help, I guess, to to Lewis. Yeah, it really brings an interesting dynamic because, like Shaker was right. I mean, it's not really been much of a factor since it's been brought in in 2019 because we haven't had a close championship since it's been brought in but now it actually is a factor where you're and we've never seen this before with it being so strategic from from either team so yeah it, it was kind of funny actually just watching you know the driver in the lead slow down and then an extra whole pit stop just to come out ahead but it shows how important it is because there's a big risk i think was it on the first pit stop for the fastest lap for valtteri that he had the, another awful pit stop again i believe so yeah because the last one when they put what, what seemed to be pretty smooth if i remember right yeah it seemed almost like a monaco style pit stop again with the with the wheel nut not wanting to come off but eventually luckily for him it did so yeah kind of kind of an interesting uh, end to that race which which was for sure um i'm just going to move on to a couple of honorable mentions as we get away from uh, the front of the field and probably the most quiet performance of all weekend but one that probably should be talked about a lot more was pierre gasly mm-hmm. you know not only did he have a good qualifying but p4 in the race i know of course with valtteri uh losing out in the first turn he, he was able to pick up from that but he was well ahead of the ferraris all weekend and the mclarens as well i mean in that alpha tower he just goes to show how well pierre gas has been driving yuki sonoda had didn't have a bad weekend either and he did a lot to help uh his teammate in qualifying not so much the red bulls but <laughs> that's another story but i just thought gas was absolutely on fire in mexico he was really, really good. It was another classic Gasly performance, and he seemed to come out once every five, six races uh, that he has like a, a, a unbelievable performance like this, and shows his true potential. And like you said, it was quiet, but um, in the end, I mean, P four for him, another awesome performance for Pierre. He had great qualifying on lap one. I thought maybe he was going to pip Perez for P three and get up there and really cause an interesting battle. Um, but it just ended, didn't end up happening for him. And, uh, you know, he was one top three retirement away from another podium, which, you know, would have been awesome for Pierre. So showing his true potential once again, it's going to be interesting how long he stays at Alpha Tari. Obviously, he's there next season. But after that, I'll be interested to see if uh, Alpine make a swoop for him or not. Yeah, I mean, to have uh, two French drivers at Alpine would be huge. And, you know, Pierre Gasly, it's finally showing that potential that we you know hope we would see at red bull too um yeah great race from him overall and just, just like you said chris just very silent weekend you know just kind of did his own thing didn't really didn't really like get bothered by anything just like kind of did his own thing all weekend and you know came out with a p4 in the end um another honorable mention i want to give is george russell for getting up to uh p9 from what p16 um so yeah, no, too bad he couldn't hold on to it, but Yeah, of course he had some engine penalties as well. And like you said, Trigger, he had a good race, but then eventually just dropped back in the end and and it didn't really work out for him. Kind of a, a pretty off weekend for, for Williams as well. But um yeah, just to wrap up on Gasly, I thought after when Bottas spun out and Crofty was like or when Perez came over the radio and apologized, I was like 
oh, Perez is going to get a penalty. So Gasly is going to get a podium. I'm like, this is going to be great. <laughs> and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But still, a P4 is just is fantastic. And um, it's I don't even know how it flew under the radar, to be honest with you. But they didn't even really show him much in the race just because he was running his own race. But, uh, yeah, I think he deserves a, a ton of credit because he's been super, super consistent all year long. And hopefully he can score one or two more podiums in these last couple of races because he really has been deserving of it. But he's only got the one so far uh, this season. Uh, now moving, they're, yeah, they're, sorry, they're uh, AlphaTauri and Alpine are now tied because of him. So great point. Yeah, yeah, I almost forgot that. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Huge, right? Um, you know, Alonso only was able to score a few points back in P nine, but that's a big, big result for AlphaTauri, considering also that Sonoda has struggled a lot in sort of the mid yes. part of the season where Gasly has been the one bringing all the points. That's really big for AlphaTauri. Yeah, Snowda has really not impressed me these last even 10 races, really, Chris. I mean, he had a great start to the season, but, uh, he, you know, obviously it's bad luck um, in this case, you know, flying over Ocon and, you know, Ocon being caught just in the middle of a sandwich between him and between Sonoda and Schumacher. Um, but he hasn't really had the race pace up there to, to do much. I mean, he's got a couple 10th place finishes, I think, and the rest of them are... Um, are below the points so in the last five races at least um so i i would hope to see better at a sonoda we'll see what next season does but if he doesn't perform next season i'm not sure how much longer alpha Tori and red bull can wait on yeah i i i think it's just consistency um mm -hmm. i agree he's not, he hasn't like I think he just can't compile it for a full weekend, you know? He'll have a great few laps here and there in qualifying and in practice and stuff like that and just seems to be he can't just, you know, get it all together for the full for the end for the uh, end of the weekend, you know? And um yeah, I, I think, you know, to give him another year is huge cuz it is still his first year. He's still settling into F1 and getting used to it all and you know to it's it's and to have Pierre Gasly as your teammate, you know, who you know, kind of went through the whole Red Bull Academy and, you know, struggled and now he's kind of succeeding as well. I mean, he'll learn, he'll learn a lot from Pierre as well. So I think uh, to give him another year is going to be huge for him, you know, just confidence in the end. I have noticed that since he started to work with Alex Albon as kind of a driver coach there at AlphaTauri, the last few races have been better. You know, he, he has had some more solid weekends. You look at the United States Grand Prix was pretty decent for him as well. Um, and then, like you said, Tyler, this was kind of unfortunate. Had to take penalties as well. So he was just kind of on his own in qualifying, trying to help his teammate out with the toe and things like that. So oh, um, And then ruin Perez's laugh, my God. Yeah, that was a really weird one because I was watching the onboard afterwards. and It was more his engineer's fault because... You know, he didn't get necessarily get the timing right, but yeah, okay. Sonoda was just trying to get out of the way of Perez. Like, he knew he was coming, and he just decided to go off track, and then that distracted Perez, and that's why he, he went off track as well. But, you know, the thing that I was kind of confused about it was is that his engineer should have told Sonoda to pick up his pace, and because he was done already like he didn't he wasn't giving the toe to his teammate anymore so he should have picked up the pace and then he would have he wouldn't have had to slow down for anybody um he had to slow down to let signs through and then Perez was the next car but it was just kind of a miscommunication there with his engineer and then of course you had Horner say they got Sonoda'd and, and everything like that um uh, which like social media kind of took and blew it up into this huge story but it wasn't really much you know it was just kind of a typical Christian Horner off the cuff comment but it wasn't really Yuki's fault 
I, I didn't watch or listen to any of the team radio, so it's good to have that perspective as well. If it was more the engineer's fault, then good to know and be to be more educated on that situation. Yeah, I, I guess it was still a little bit weird on Sonoda's part to go completely off track because, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I, I just know that part of the circuit. If he would have sped up just a little bit, there's a DRS zone that comes right there. He could have just stayed to the right off the racing line. He would have been fine. But maybe it was science was uh, you know too close in that regard. But that that was what I was just thinking afterwards. Is like if he was done and you know that the cars behind are on fast laps, just pick up your pace and then they don't have to worry about it anymore. So um, yeah, it was unfortunate. I don't think Verstappen would have gotten pole anyways had he had a clear run in in that final Q3 run. But that certainly didn't help from from Yuki. So yeah, that's the uh, conversation on Alpha Tauri um, midfield as well. Ferrari had a very good weekend with Leclerc in P5, Carlos Sainz in P6. They kind of did a swap around of, uh, of teammate positions there, and eventually Sainz had to le- let Leclerc back once again. But it was big for them because McLaren was kind of really nowhere, of course, with Ricardo's first lap incident, but Norris really wasn't on the pace as well. So it means that they've now got P3 in the constructors. Yeah, it's very interesting as well. Um, you know, I was surprised how much McLaren struggled at this racetrack they weren't really a factor at all during the whole weekend and the ferraris weren't anything spectacular either but they did have enough pace and uh, you know to to be in solid points position so um really interesting to see how mclaren has kind of tailed off a little bit ever since um their one two uh, and you know the lando podium as well and uh, it's just interesting to see again, but we have four very, or sorry, I should say three very unpredictable tracks coming up. And then Brazil, which uh, I'm not sure. I don't really remember how McLaren did last time we were in Brazil. I, I can't remember off podium. the top of my head. Did they get a podium? Okay. So yeah, that was Sainz's first podium, right? That's yeah. right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Afterwards. Good rem- <laughs> yeah. Good remembering, guys. Good remembering. Um, so, yes, yeah, so who knows how that's going to turn out uh over the last three races and then you know if they have a good shot at uh podium in brazil you know it, that might be their best chance at, at solid uh points that they know they can get so it's going to be a very interesting battle for p3 and the constructors yeah it should be it should be really tight and uh i mean pierre gasly is also a huge uh you know he's, he's a big fan of brazil as well so mm. Uh, we'll be seeing Pierre Gasly contend in, in Brazil as well to see uh, what, kind of, what kind of race that is with both McLaren and Mercedes. Uh, sorry. And- yeah, it should be. Um, my final thoughts for, for the 2021 Mexican Grand Prix is really just a, a shout out to the F1 seniors on the grid uh, who filled out P7, P8, and P9. Of course, Vettel had a very good race for Aston Martin and P7. And then Kimi Raikkonen as well, who... Let's not forget, Kimi Raikkonen is coming down to the final four races of his F1 career, which I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about him in the next couple of races, looking back on his great career. But I thought he did an excellent P8 for Alfa Romeo, and he's been having some pretty decent races as of late. Uh, so he's looking to finish his career strong. And then, of course, Alonso in P9 as well. So you kind of saw that throwback to the, to the good old days of F1 when those guys were fighting more at the front of the grid. But nonetheless, I think uh, it was a good weekend for the F1 seniors. Yeah, I mean, Raikkonen, I think, uh, really impressed me. He's been outperforming that Alfa Romeo very well over the last few races, uh, kind of overdriving the car a little bit, uh, overdriving of its potential, I should say. And that overtake on, on George Russell was 
really, really nice. I was like, Oh, where's the ice man? Like that's the ice man we know and love. And, um, a great solid race for, uh, for Kimmy and then Alonso and Vettel, they had very solid races as well. I don't really remember too much that stood out, um, other than Alonso, you know, his, <laughs> his quick thinking to somehow avoid a Valtteri Bottas that, uh, appeared out <laughs> of the smoke, just like two feet in front of him. Oh my God. Um, he did a really good job of avoiding him. Uh, he had a but, really good overtake on, um, Russell as well, right after Kimi Raikkonen's overtake. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I was still mesmerized by Raikkonen. I forgot <laughs> about it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, great, great one from the seniors for sure. Um, it was kind of nice to see uh, Fernando Alonso and Kimi racing against Russell to see, you know, one of the guys that are, uh, that's going to Mercedes and who's going to be, you know, up there in the podiums. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really good to see in the end. And, and like you said, it's Kimmy's last few races and I think he got some, he got a ticket on the way in a speeding ticket or something and a penalty or something for, uh, yeah, he uh, got like two reprimands or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because of the, uh, red flag incident from Lance Stroll, right? Um, oh, okay, cause he, yeah, yeah. he cut in to go to the pit lane, but then realized that he, didn't cut in at the right point. It was past the bowler, so he cut back out and did another lap. So, I don't, I don't know. It was really messy for him. I'm not sure what happened there. He just doesn't care anymore. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It, what, what does it matter if he yeah. gets reprimands? Like, yeah. he's done in four races. It doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't care. Yeah. It was funny during if the... If I were him, I'd break all the rules in the last race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny during the pre-race press... Or not pre-race press conference. On the Thursday press conference... Because remember at the U.S. Grand Prix, he and uh, Alonso had a really good battle where they kind of you know pushed each other off the track, and they asked him about that. Like, and you know, Kimmy was just like, "Yeah, you know, it's just good, you know, hard racing or whatever." He said, and then they asked him like, "Oh, did you talk to Fernando about it?" And he's like, "No, why?" And he's like, "Why, why, why would I care to talk to him about it?" He's just like, "It was just racing." You know? so, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm gonna really miss that. I know the newer generation. I think a lot of people will remember Kimmy for his quotes and stuff like that, but. These last couple of races, you really just are reminded of what makes him so such an iconic figure in Formula One, and that because he is such a great racer. And honestly, I think he's probably the best wheel-to-wheel racer in the sport. Like the cleanest, gives the most room, is always super fair, but races super aggressively. So smart as well, the way he places the car. So, yeah, he's gonna be missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't they don't make him like him anymore, <laughs> fortunately. Don't. So I'm not sure if there's any young Finnish drivers. Uh, coming up in the ranks, but definitely none of the personality of, as the Iceman. <laughs> yeah, that's one of a kind for sure. So yeah, we'll, we'll be doing something special, I think, uh, just mm-hmm. giving a little tribute to his career. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, anything else from uh, you two guys for the Mexican Grand Prix before we wrap it up here? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Um, I do. Maybe we can mention the Ricardo Stroll kerfuffle. Um, I, I know that... Uh, Stroll got well. He he missed a turn and then went and cut through the grass. And then uh, uh, Ricardo pushed him off the track later on on that same lap or the lap after or something like that. So that was the only real other aggressive battle throughout the day, if I could remember right. But other than that, I don't have much to talk about. No, I don't really either. Yeah, no, I I think that about does it uh, for me as well. I think we pretty much covered all the, the important aspects of the race 
And uh, yeah, of course, be sure to, to drop your comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. Let us know what you thought of the 2021 Mexican Grand Prix and what are you looking forward to with the next two races in this triple header, of course, this weekend in Brazil. Reminder, it is a sprint weekend format, the final one of the year. And then, of course, the new one at Qatar, which, by the way, we do have a circuit guide for the Lozale International Circuit that will uh, link up in the description and also on the home page of our YouTube channel if you kind of want to learn a little bit more of that circuit. But coming up, we got the Brazil. It's actually called the Sao Paulo Grand Prix for this season. Um, it's kind of a part of a renaming of the Grand Prix titles like we had. This one was Mexico City Grand Prix, and then this next one's going to be the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. So... I'm still going to call it the Brazilian Grand Prix because it's just, it's in Brazil. So <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. But iconic track, one of my favorite tracks on the calendar and always provides great racing. The sprint is going to be very, very interesting. And I think we were just talking off camera before we came on the air that we're going to probably get to do some live streams on the Friday and Saturday. Uh, if you needed a reminder, of course, regular qualifying is on the Friday and then the little mini sprint races on the Saturday afternoon. So it's the last one of the year. We've done one for every single sprint weekend in 2021. So I think we'll do uh, a couple of more this weekend with all three of us um, in, in certain tag team tandems without the day, depending on our schedule. So uh, be sure to uh, stay up to date with us on social media about that. But very, very curious to see how this sprint is going to go. Two sprints this year. Two Verstappen-Hamilton collisions. I don't know. Are they going to make it three for three? We'll have to see. Ah, they got it. Big and bingo. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I not. Think it may, but... They make it firm six for next year too, correct? Yeah, that's a little bit too much for me. I, I don't mind six. I actually don't mind six. I think that's an okay amount. I think that six is okay. If they would have done like a 10, I would have been concerned. Races. Yeah, that's a third of the races. That's not bad. It's not terrible. I don't mind it. The only reason I don't like six is because then they're going to push it to like 10 and then it's just going to end up being permanent. No, I, I feel like more than six would be too much. Yeah. I think the drivers are complaining if there's more than yeah. six. Because that's a lot of racing over the weekend, especially if they have like a bunch of like triple and double headers too. Like plus yeah. cost cap. Yeah. And more accidents, most likely in, in sprints, right? So yeah, for sure. Cost cap could play a factor. Yeah, and they don't have extra engine parts or anything like that. It's still, exactly. <clears throat> excuse me, still going to stay on the three. So yeah, yeah. But that's that's a 2022 thing. But uh, for now, we got one more to go in 2021. So mm -hmm. looking forward to that, and uh, excited to have you guys join us for those live streams. So uh, yeah, we'll be posting those very shortly. But that will do it for this episode number 121 of the podcast. Very very happy to have the whole gang back with this episode, and uh, hopefully we'll be back after the Brazilian Grand Prix as well to bring you all of the action. Um, Tyler Shaker, if any more uh, final thoughts from you guys before we sign off? Uh, it's not as exciting as Shaker being a new Paul Rint. Uh, I just brought <laughs> home his new puppy uh, today, so congratulations to Shaker. Uh, but I did get my eye racing event set up back again in the new house uh, where i am we got a new couch um but we got the eye racing set up so i think i'm gonna be turning some laps at inter largos this week and uh to get myself ready for the brazilian grand prix but congrats shaker on uh on your new puppy oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> i do have to get back to my puppy soon though <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the duties of uh, of being a parent. So yeah, we'll we'll let you get to it. I know uh, it's a huge responsibility, so uh, we'll, we'll let you go for that one. So Tyler Shaker, thank you to you both for your time and your insights on this episode. Very much appreciated, and very much looking forward to the next time on the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. I've been your host. Chris Cato. Thanks so much for watching and listening. If you're new and you like this podcast, subscribe to us so you never miss a recap. 
after the 2021 races, and we'll be with you very again soon. Thanks so much, and have a great day.